Hey, welcome back to another episode of Dream Chasers Podcast. Uh, I want to start off by thanking our sponsors, Biosound Therapy, Rita's Ice, Replay Hemp by Harrington Wellness, and Team Awake. Uh, I have a guest coming on today. Has He has a lot of experience with, uh, with the NBA, with coaching, uh, played basketball, uh, a little, a little while back in the day, Dedrick Faison, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Good, good. Hey, man, tell us, give us your background. Well, I've been in sports for it'll be going on almost 22 years. Uh, I was in the front office with the Portland Trailblazers okay. for five years. During which, after that fifth year, um, I started my own business and subsequently started my business with a multi-year uh, all-star, Jermaine O'Neal. Wow. From there, just uh, started to pick up other clients as you know as time went on. I've uh, wow. been in the industry for so long that you get to know a lot of different people, including you and, and, and then the people that you know as far as the industry goes. And currently, I'm just uh, coaching my son as a, kind of a pastime as well as handling my clients and always looking for new clients. You know how that goes. Right. Right. What was it like in the front office for, for the Trailblazers? What was your, what was your uh, job description? What did you do for them? Yeah, I was an assistant director for public relations and player development. So for, for me, I was the number one. I was the conduit between the players and everyone else. So other than the coaches who would give them day-to-day instructions on how to do things on the court, I would give them the instructions off the court on the things that they would be contractually obligated to do and then also provide them services that would help them be better professionals because at that point in time, we had a very young team. Right. Um, had players that didn't have a lot of experience. And you have to understand, too, that the business is a lot different there in, you know, in 96 than it is today. These players now are so educated on the business of it all, right. with social media and just being exposed to different things. That wasn't available at that point in time. So... That was also the era of the one and done, or not even the one and done, straight to high school. You know, high school players coming straight to league. So I had, you know, Jermaine coming from the league or coming into the league at 17. There was a lot of um, educational things that we tried to provide him and some of the other younger players that had come out of college, you know, be it one or two years in, and uh, just trying to get them acclimated to being a professional. Right, right, for sure. What was it like meeting young Jermaine O'Neal? Uh, it was interesting at first just because he was just so young, um, but he was um, he was more mature than his age. Um, I would say that I, I think it really comes from his upbringing with his mother being a single mother and him and his brother being being alone a lot of the time while she was working multiple jobs just to keep them afloat. So he had to grow up fast. And then um, his ascension to being a professional basketball player really happened in a three-year period. So he wasn't on the circuit from, you know, you know, from second grade all the way through eighth. Uh, he literally, they found him in a period of three years. And then, you know, he started playing basketball in high school. And three years later, he was in the league, which is, you know, you don't hear that, that often happening, but um, he's just a good, he's just a good person. Part of it. I mean, that was the main thing. He was just a good person. He's always been a good person all through, throughout the whole process. Right, right. What's your background? What sports did you play growing up? I, I played a little bit of everything. I, I, I come from a very eclectic family. So I play, you know, I skied because I'm from Portland, Oregon originally. 
So I skied, um, I played tennis. You know, my, my father made it a point that I'd be well-rounded right. uh, just because of the environment I grew up in. Everybody is it's more homey and it's more, uh, uh, let me think of the word, it's, it's more liberal in Oregon. So there's a mixture of people and you had to know how to do different things to be able to, uh, you know, just to be around other people, just to communicate and, and enjoy time with each other. So, yeah, so I played those sports, but my basic, my main focus was uh, football. Okay. And uh, with a side, it was a little bit of basketball sprinkled in. Okay. Okay, nice. How, what role did your parents play uh, growing up? What role did they, um, you know, what did they do to kind of mold you into who you are today? <clears throat> well, I mean, from I think in my mind it comes from, it really what they provided me was just the work ethic that you have to have to be successful in anything you do. My parents, unfortunately, weren't able to come to a lot of my games or practices or, you know, some of those things. And it really comes from the economical standpoint of they just had, they were trying to provide right. for, you know, a family, uh, you know, I had a, I have a brother and a sister and then I had numerous cousins that lived with us at one point in time. So, I mean, we had, at one point we had, you know, seven kids in the house. Right. And, you know, and unfortunately, their parents weren't able to do the things that they were supposed to do. So my parents took took it upon themselves to kind of raise them in, in, in the same kind of environment that I was growing up in, which is a positive, right. stable situation. So they had to do what they had to do. And we did when we understood that. So I, you know, I can take things personally where right now you have some kids, if they don't see their parents in the stands, they can't perform where I got used to it early. Right. Right, for sure. Sure. So now you're, you say you're coaching your son, right? I am. I am. Yeah. I'm coaching him in Indianapolis. Uh, right now we're traveling, uh-huh. you know, to some of these sites for the AAU uh, season. And it's, uh, it's been interesting. It's been good this year. We've been, we've been playing well, dropped a couple games. We shouldn't have, but that's life. Right. Right. So what is it like coaching your child? I mean, obviously I know you probably coach some other kids, but what is it like actually coaching your child and, um, how is the game now with parents, referees, and all that? Good sure. Stuff? Sure. Well, I, I mean, personally, from a standpoint of just the dynamic of my son and, you know, me being on the same team, me coaching him, it's, a, it's difficult for him because I hold him to a, a higher standard than everyone else. You almost have to set the tone with your son because they know oh. if you're going to give it to your son, then everybody else is going to get it. So there's no, you know, there's no daddy ball. I, I, I shouldn't be as hard on him as I probably am, but I think ultimately it helps the team and they all fall in line when it comes to knowing that they're, they're accountable for the things that they do. And, I, and it helps with the parents as well, because a lot of the times in the past, and, you know, this hasn't happened for me, but you see a, a coach that has their son on their team, son or daughter on the team, and they'll let them get away with murder, you know, taking bad shots, not playing defense, not saying anything to them. And that's a cancerous type of thing right. where in my mind, I think if you hold, if you're going to hold your son accountable to a higher level then everyone else should fall in line because they know that everyone's going to be treated the same. Right. So a lot of, would you say a lot of your parents are kind of, are they satisfied with, um, with the game and, and your coaching or do you, is it? Oh uh, Yeah, I don't have any, yeah, I don't have any, compl- I don't, I mean, I don't have any, compl- no one's going to always be happy, right? There's always a playing time issue and all those different things. I've been lucky in the sense that I've had the same kids since the second grade. They're now in the seventh going into eighth. 
So the parents that I have are very um, familiar with the way that I coach, you know, which is an aggressive style, a more of a pro orientated uh, style, because that's the background that I come from being with, you know, different coaches throughout the years, just picking up little tidbits here and there, you, you kind of lean that way uh, towards some of their objectives that they try to, you know, implement on their different teams. But my parents, they, they've fallen in line. Um, they know that I'm there. I'm not getting paid. So that's one. So they, so I have no problem if any of those parents, and I've told them if any of the parents have an issue with the way that I'm coaches or the way that things are being done, they are more than welcome to leave. Right. There's other options out there. I, yeah, I, I don't hold kids hostage. And I, and I will kick a kid off if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, be it on the court or in school, because that school part is most important, especially to this team. For sure. For sure. Let's switch gears here. So you actually uh, saw Jermaine grow in the NBA, and you see kind of uh, the players and, and production of players that are that are in the NBA now. What is the difference, um, you know, possibly like mindset, or uh, raw skill? What's the difference in the NBA between, you know, a guy like Jermaine O'Neal that came through it and became a, what, a seven-time All-Star and this mm -hmm. guy like like a like a Draymond? I'm just saying, not don't compare him to Draymond, but, you know, sure, 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 yeah. what do you, what do you, what is your take on that? Uh, the game is so much more popular than it was then. Obviously, NBA is a strong brand. It's been a strong brand for a long time from, the things that Magic and, and, and Bird and, and Jordan did to kind of introduce the NBA to the general public and make it, you know, a high-level sport that everyone was interested in. But I'm going to say the difference between 96 and, say, 2016, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 is that kids are so much more global in the sense that they have access to information from various – there's nothing that they can't look up. Right. Google gives them the ability to look up anything. YouTube gives them the ability to see anything. And uh, and Snapchat, you know, it gives them the ability to communicate with anybody. Right. So, you know, even to a sense with, you know, with my son, he's able to look up his favorite player that plays high school basketball in Texas. And we live in Indianapolis. He can follow him every day and see every workout that he does. He can listen to the things that he talks about, you know, from a day-to-day -day basis, be it a mindset on how he's going to practice or how he's going to handle his business when it comes to being a professional, moving on to the next level. So I think it's more education than anything else. I mean, I think LeBron was the, really the first person in this era or last era that was able to capitalize on his brand and doing it the right way, surround himself with his people, doing it the right way, doing it the way that he wanted to and just kind of riding his own ship. Right, right. So as a player, as a player, ex-player, coach, or parent, what is what is a problem that you see in the game now? I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a, you know, a fewfold. I think, I mean, one, it's the parents not being educated on really what the process is of being a good basketball player. And then managing their expectations on what they get when they become a good basketball player. So I, a lot of these parents, basketball is a, economically is different than any other sport. If you think about it, cause all you need is a basketball and then your court and some rims where, you know, where tennis, you got to have court time swimming. You got to have a swimming pool to go swim at, you know, skiing, you got to have the money to get up and get it, get up on the mountain and ski down it where basketball is more of a, um, 
is more of a sport that is tailored towards, along with football, tailored to minorities that don't have a lot of money or, you know, expendable cash that they can spend a lot of money. It's gotten a little, a little bit different now where these clubs, some of these clubs are costing, you know, into the thousands of dollars to be part of them. And that all comes down to the future of the sport, where where these parents expect that their kids to end up at, be it in college, uh, you know, Europe in, or the NBA. And they're banking on, you know, their kid, you know, they're investing in their kids nowadays, you know, spend thousands of dollars on their kid with the idea that, okay, my kid's going to be in the NBA, where that mindset is wrong. It can't be that. It has to be, I, I'm trying to get my kid a scholarship at a school if he's good enough. And then going from there, anything else after that is, you know, is icing on the cake. But I, I get parents, and I've seen parents just because I have, you know, clients that have, you know, some of these AAU teams and their expectations on what they get because there's an expectation that some of them want to be paid right. from a higher level, and that's just not going to happen. And you can see some of the things that's happened with Adidas and, and some of the things they've gone through with, you know, proposals, you know, supposedly uh you know scaring kids to different schools there's a there's a money component to that because right now with contracts being so high in the nba right. people are shoe companies uh you know runners parents agents are sometimes going outside the lines of the rules mm-hmm. because there's so much money involved and they see that even to the even to a certain extent with this with this uh this lawyer that you know tried to extort nike that's crazy when went, that's like that's out of a movie Right, <laughs> right. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. So, what do you think about uh, this one and done uh, with with the college game and stuff like that? What is your thoughts on that? Because I know Jermaine came out. He he did the he did this straight from high school. Uh, I'm I'm an advocate to just bring it back. I think it's I think the one and done is hurting the college game. I mean, these some of the Absolutely. best that you that you see. You know, Duke was Duke because, you know, all those guys were juniors and seniors and they stuck with it and, you know, they would lose one year and they continue to come back. Kind of like what Zion said, if that's true, that, you know, he wanted to yeah. come back and he wanted to win the championship. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, basketball, and you have to look at the sports, and I, and I really I come down to, again, kind of basketball and football of it. You have to look at this sport. That, these, those two sports are the only sports where there's a, a regulation on when you can become pro. And then you have to look what's the, the common denominator on that. And I, I want to say it's because the predominantly minority sports. So there's a, there's a um, disconnect from, you know, from a tennis to a skiing to any of these gymnastics, uh, you know, all – what you can do when you're coming out, if these uh, young men and women can go to war, right. why can't they go straight to the NBA and make a living? And then I think the argument that they put in place a lot of the times, and I say the proponents of going straight from high school to the pros is that, you know, they need to work on, they need to get their education. Well, ultimately you go and get your education so that you can live, provide a better life for your family. Well, if you get the lottery ticket you can go, you can skip, you can skip one and get right to 10. Why wouldn't you? Right. You can still get that education while you're in there. Jermaine, you know, and I, I say this, but Jermaine has continued to educate himself throughout the process right. to where he is now, where, you know, he's a successful business person, just like Al. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Al, Al has, you know, a business that's a thriving business. He didn't get that from a book. He right. didn't sit in a class and learn those things. That's from... That's from the connections that he made and being a good person and being 
diligent in his work ethic. That's really what it comes down to. What are you What are you willing to work at? Right. Right. For sure. So I I just touched on Zion Williamson and talking about going back and winning the championship. Uh, with your knowledge of how things go in the NBA, what advice would you give him? I would tell. I mean, I would tell him to go to the pros. Um, again, it's it's that young man's decision, and right. but I mean, with the money that is involved and that would be available to him, if he's there, if he wants to go back for the college experience, I I wholeheartedly want him to go back and right. do what's best for him and his family. But I think the way that the NCAA is structured now, and the way that these schools are capitalizing off of these these images and things like that. The argument will be that, you know, they're being provided tuition, board, uh, and then a little stipend. Well, I can guarantee you that Zion, just from apparel alone, has made, has covered all of his tuition. Right. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> be it from TV revenue, be it, you know, be it from apparel, be it from, you know, I think that they should, I think these players should be able to be able to license their likeness and get a percentage while they're in school. So right. if you have a player that's, you know, at Duke and he's there, they have his jersey or they have his picture or they have all anything that, you know, that he can capitalize off of in their bookstore and they're selling those items. Why don't they just give him 5% or, you know, 3%? I, I would, I would, I, from in my mind, I would fight for 15, but that's just me being me. But right. something that they're getting that they either that they can put in the bank that they don't get until they graduate. Or, or they get it towards themselves as their, you know, as their players. And then I, I think the proponents will say, well, then you're, the, you're, they're becoming, you know, employees of the school. No, they're not becoming employees of the school. They're just, they're just capitalizing off of their own likeness and their own name. They would be doing that if they were somewhere else. So I, I think it really comes down to this, the NCAA is wanting to um, not open the floodgates to allowing you know, amateur athletes to capitalize on their, on their revenue. Right, right. So you, you kind of touched on that just a second ago, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So do you think, so my first question is, do you think that these um, athletes should be compensated? And then if they, if they should be compensated, how, how should that structure look? Or how do you think that, I mean, I know you have a lot of uh, background, you know, uh, doing, dealing with stuff in the NBA office and you've seen it, but how do, you know, say you got a guy, you know, you got Zion Williamson that's out there and he's the biggest moneymaker by far, but then you got this other kid that's sitting on the end of Duke's bench that's, you know, he barely got the scholarship. How to, how do you, um, how, how do you, what do you think, or what are your thoughts on that? Like, how would, how would that structure, how would that be structured? And, you know, what are your thoughts? I, th I think, I think, We'd have to look at it, and I don't say we would have to, but I think the best way of looking at it is just the kind of the, 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 the dynamic of the world. When you go to a regular job, be a policeman, fireman, you know, paramedic, right. you get paid on the how good you are at your job, right. one, and then how long you've been there on the job. So when you look at a Zion on and say that guy, the kid that barely got a scholarship, is that kid that didn't get that barely got a scholarship? Is he driving the revenue for the t for the school? That and if he's not, then okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if Zion, for the for you know example, is bringing in millions of dollars for the school, being in apparel or TV revenue or any of those things, 
why wouldn't you compensate him for the value that he brings to your company? Because the schools are at that point our company, right? Right. So if he's bringing additional value to your company, just like anybody else, if it was a salesman that was out there and he'd be getting a percentage of anything that he sold for the company, why wouldn't you do that? And if, they, and if the kid at the end of the bench, have his, have his jersey in the same, you know, have his jersey in the same bookstore. Right. And if it sells, he sells one or two jerseys because he becomes a fan favorite, then cut that man a check. But if not, and this stuff is not selling, that's not Zion's fault. Right. So I think, I think we have to parallel it to the world in general. I mean, don't, let's not treat these kids different than we would, you know, a 40-year-old man that's working a day-to-day job. You do your job or you bring value or you don't. Right, for sure. What a, what is a, a a best practice or some type of advice that you give to your kids? Seeing it seeing it from like I said, you've seen it from all sides. Seeing it from the NBA, you were an athlete or former athlete yourself, um, and now your sons are going through it. Uh, what what advice or or what is maybe some type of saying or something that you give to your son all the time? Work hard. Okay. Because that that's it. Right. That, 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 everything else will fall into place. You have all these different camps and things like that now that are supposed to be camps that where you're getting ranked and right. and they're having you pay you know money to go and get ranked and things like that. Right. Some of them have some have some you know some sway on some you know some of the coaches and things like that. But for the most part, it's a money grab for some of these organizers because really at the end of the day. If in the second grade you get ranked as the number one player in the nation, does that matter when you're a senior in high school? I don't think so. <laughs> I can't remember what <laughs> so, top second graders. I don't know who they are. <laughs> man, listen, I couldn't tell you right now who a fourth grader is who's the number one fourth grader in the nation. Right. Well, and then a- who's to say that man that man might never grow? So do you do you agree? Do you agree to that? That's more or less of a money grab that, you know, for oh, yeah, absolutely. some of these tournaments and stuff like that to be like, hey, you know, LeBron James's son, Bryson, or I forget whatever his name is, is playing against the top fourth grader in the nation. Hey, let's, yeah. let's watch yeah, yeah, yeah. it, you know. Yeah, so. oh, absolutely. It's a, I mean, it's a way of the world. And I, I think from that standpoint, if it's, a, if it's a tournament, that's different. I mean, everybody has the same opportunity to go compete. My thing is, is when you go to some of these camps where they, where they're just having you do drills, you'll play some, and then they rank you. One, who's doing the ranking? Right. And then two, how good are these rankings, and how, what kind of, how do they uh, attribute to the success of the player later on? Like, is it, is that ranking? You paying five hundred dollars to go get ranked three hours, to, you know, run around, get tested, get you know, measured, and all those different things? Is that going to help you out later on? When you're, you know, you're in the fourth grade, and then when you get into the, you know, when you're a senior in high school, I don't think so. If you can play, right. they will find you. I promise you. Right, right. And, uh, they and, uh, will turn a rock over. And listen, they're going if they're going to uh, to to Slovakia and all that, and, you, and they don't have to get on a plane, they can find you here. And all you have to do is perform in the summer right. or at your school, right. then then they'll find you. Somebody's going to find you. Another another piece of that is is this too. I mean, you. You can pay to go get ranked, but if you sit out a couple of tournaments or you twist the ankle or something like that, those rankings are they constantly change. Like a lot of people think, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna go get ranked and I'll be number two in the nation, this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? If you miss this tournament and this kid emerges, well, your two can go to a ten real quick. 
So, I mean, the rankings, the rankings really don't mean nothing. I, my, I got a saying that, uh, you know, I kind of tell my wife this all the time. Like, we, we look at kids and stuff like that. Cause my daughter plays basketball, and, you know, this kid is better than her. This kid knows the game better than her. This kid is, mm-hmm. you know, may, may be more comfortable at playing the game of basketball. The saying that I always use is that I don't care who you are and, and what you're doing, that the playing field is going to become level. It's going to become level. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to you to unlevel it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the, it's the hard yep. work of what you're talking about for you to, to, for you to separate yourself from the pack. But because you're good as a sixth grader or one of the top rating, rated six or seven graders, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to go to high school and tear it up. I mean, I've, I've seen sure. where kids have, you know, they, they've averaged, you know, 20-plus points, this, that, and the other. And we're looking now, like, where are they? Are they hurt? Yeah. Oh, they're, oh, they're yeah. not playing. Well, the level, the, the playing field is going to become level uh, eventually. So that's something that a lot of parents need to need to understand is that just because your your kid's good now, don't sit back because it's it's that it's that one kid that like you said, you know, I kind of laughed a little bit. He was like, "Man, I was skiing." I'm like, "And that was new to me. I never knew you skied." But you know, it might be that kid that's out there skiing or playing tennis. And guess what? You know. They're going to come into the sport more hungry than you are because you've been playing for years and years and years, and you've always mm-hmm. gotten what you want. You've always been had this name, and people always respected you. Well, here come this kid, you know, Jack, whatever. He's coming behind everybody, and guess what? He wants it way more than everybody else. And like I said, you know, yeah. I've seen that firsthand, and his name is Al Harrington. <laughs> you know, we watched, mm-hmm. we watched, we watched mm-hmm. you know, some kids that really could – could go and all of a sudden he came out of nowhere so parents need to understand yeah yeah no absolutely I totally agree with that and I mean but that's the thing but that comes with this information and knowledge too and that's the thing that a lot of these AAU programs don't provide I know that in a for a certain level of um education for even like Jermaine's brand Drive Nation down in Dallas that's part of the prerequisite of the parents he educates them on the process Right. So that when these kids, when they get to the level where they have to make a decision on the college they're going to go to or the or the uh, if they're going to go pro directly pro, um, the parents are educated and have their expectations are at the very least reasonable on mm-hmm. what they should expect moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I've seen parents and this is with me being on the other side, you know, working for the organization is parents came in. It's like, OK, well. I need for you guys to get me, you know, I need $10,000 in a car. I'm like, where are you going to get that from? <laughs> right. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's new to me. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, not, not, but that's, that's television. That's their friends talking to them. Right. And there's a lot of it. I mean, and then it really comes down to it with that education from a financial standpoint, this is a little bit off of what we were talking about. It just came up in my mind, but a lot of the times the people that are surrounded, these kids that are good athletes or good basketball players, good tennis players, well, I don't want to say tennis, good basketball players or football players. Right. Is that the people that they trust the most, depending on where they came from, had a, you know, they ground their family, right? Their family or close friends. Right. that don't have the uh, wherewithal or the education to be able to provide the services to the player at the level that they need to have at that point. Right. So if you have a, you know, you have, a, I've had players that have had uncles come in to my office and want to negotiate a contract 
and they wouldn't understand what was in the contract, but they would, the only thing they understood was the money part of it. Right. All. For sure. So, so, so I would say this, I mean, and I think that's the difference between then and now is a lot of these younger, uh, you know, men and women that have people surrounding them early enough with these AAU programs sometimes that will provide them with the information that, you know, you can't have your uncle that was a mechanic negotiate your contract. <laughs> not that he couldn't, but it's not going to be, it probably is not going to be the best idea for you long run. Right. Right. So with the, with, with a lot of these NBA guys and, you know, like I said, you seen you, you, you were with Jermaine O'Neal and when he retired, I know he probably was in search of things. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on um, new NBA guys that come into the NBA and um, actually like going through the process and understanding their money? Uh, and the reason the reason I'm asking this is just because a lot of people I, I get a lot of people that tell me all the time like, man, Allen Iverson had. $225 million and how, how do you lose that? Give that to me. I won't lose it. Well, there's a, there's a lot behind that. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. he made 225 million in essence, he only made $110 million. And then, you know, you, you have to, you know, you have a lifestyle, you have family, you have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, a lot of unforeseen things that you don't understand until you leave the NBA. And now it's like, hold on mm-hmm. one second. Now my money, where's my money at? You know, you have you have thousand yeah. dollar limo rides and stuff like that. So what what is your thought on that? I mean, I want you to elaborate on that just a little bit. Um, you know, because like I said, there's so many guys that go through this. You know, being being one of the top names and having everything at your fingertips to now you're 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 out the NBA and now you know you're almost to the point that you're broke. What are your thoughts? Sure. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that you really, really can't, um, you really can't, um, you can't forecast who that, who that player might be because it happens to the ones that come from good families. It happens right. to the kids that come from bad families. So it's more of a thing. It's more of the individual and the way that they handle business individually in the sense of being due diligent on just being aware of what your money is doing and who is doing it. And part of that is, is with any of, you know, any of the players that I've ever dealt with and even the players I deal with now with some of my other clients, they want to give all of the control over to me to be able to deal with their funds and and things like that. And I tell them, I want no part of that. Right. (laughs) On no part of that. Listen, I need for you to be, it's your money. Right. I need for you to be diligent. What I can do is provide you statements. Right. We can go through the statements, have a have an educated conversation on what the statement says. Because one, we want you to learn so that you can understand what's going on on your own without me being there for you. And then two, we want you to be educated so that when you, we want you to write your check. So when you have a credit card bill that's $20,000, I want you to write that check. Right. Because it hurts more when you have to write it and you oh, see it going out. For sure. Yeah, so so that I think that's the first thing. I think that's the first and most important thing. And then it's just a lot of the times as well as this, and I hate to use this term, you have to cut off the fat. Right. And what I mean by that is that you'll have people that you grew up with that were there for you, granted, and that um that you that you care about, they care about you, but they're not good for you long term. 
Right. So in my in my mind, I tell you know my clients, you know you you want to take care of them. They were there for you. I understand that, but you need to make sure, or I would say, make sure that you, if you're going to do something for them, that you do it once, and you tell them after this is is on you, and I won't, and, and we won't have this conversation again. Because right. at the very least, they can't say that you didn't do anything for them. And if you feel as if you owe them something, then you get it done, and it's not something that goes for twenty years. Right. Family's different. Family's different. They're you know that people are gonna take care of their family. Right. But it's it's the it's like you know it's the friend that you know that held you down while you were in school or you know whatever it might be. Right. There's a lot of people you know you get I I've had situations where aunts and uncles will come out of the woodwork and I was like oh yeah he he just you know I deserve this I was like and I'll tell him I was like well listen you got to talk to him and then the client will tell you well you didn't even come to my games how do I owe you anything right. You know, so it's just it's a little bit a little bit of that. So just being able to cut that fat away that'll alleviate a lot of problems in your life. Right, right. So do you think do you think that um, a, a lot of a lot of this stuff, like you know, you, you I don't want to name names. Do you think that really? How can I put this? I'm trying. I I, I want to be nice in how I say this, but I'm trying to be correct. Sure. Say something to somebody that I know or anything like that, but um, uh, I don't know. I might skip this one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to put. This. <laughs> I don't know how to put this. Not make it. Uh, I don't. I don't want it to sound personal. You know that that type of thing. Sure. Yeah, want, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to sound like I'm talking about any particular person but i i just i just wonder um you know how could how could these guys have have uh you know have done a little bit a little bit better uh with their money throughout the course of, of the nba and i know i i've seen it you know i mean these guys are ultra competitive a lot of times um you know it's like i, I got a rolls royce well you know, when I bought my Rolls Royce, and then you know the next car, yeah, car yeah, yep, oh yeah, kinda, yeah. You just kind of go up. But um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to ask a question, but I think I'm gonna leave that there. I think this is a great interview. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna let that. I'm gonna leave I, that. <laughs> I know where you're going with it, and I would say the main thing that I would say is to um, to ask them what their ultimate goal is at the end of their career. And, and then it's, I mean, monetarily and then personally, and then say, well, this is what you need to do over this amount of time. If you play this amount of years, this is where you'll be. Right. You play this amount of years, this is where you'll be. And if you don't, if you spend this, let's say, for example, I'll give you a good example. So if somebody wants to get a high price car right. and they want to buy it instead of leasing it, you know, there's all those different options that are available to them. Right. And they decide to buy it. You show them well the money that you spent. If you would have, if you'd have put that money away, right, for ten years, this is how much it would have. You would net, right. That that's a that 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 helps, right. You know, you spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you, you that two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you know, uh, account that you know, net you four percent to six percent back, right. And you don't have to do anything. Right. and is exponentially growing just because the percentage that's going in there is growing with it right. then i mean that's a that's a that's that's a very it's a very telling sign of who you're dealing with too if they don't get that if they don't see that that the long run part of it all then you probably should run right right yeah well they got i mean these guys got to understand that at a certain point you're going to have to put yourself on a realistic budget and i mean you know sure. even, 
if you're putting money aside and every year, you know, you got like you like you said, you got like two hundred fifty thousand that's coming back behind that. Well, that's that's a good salary to live off of. You know what I mean? You $250,000, you can break it down. Obviously, like I said, you know, these guys are going to grow with expensive taste. But, you know, if you could think about it that, you know, you got 250000 that's going to come from an interest-bearing stock or account or whatever, and then you can live off of that. And, you know what I mean? Obviously, you know, before, mm-hmm. before you exit the, the NBA, you probably need to buy the majority of the stuff. You know, I would say, you know, buy you a car, you know, make sure your home is paid for so that you don't have to worry about a mortgage, you know, because if, if you start thinking about certain things, you know, that mortgage could be, you know, uh, 50000 a month, you know, dude, oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that pile of money uh, just conti- continues to, it, it goes down, it goes down, it goes down. So you want to do the smart things and have some assets behind it that, hey, all right, you know, I'm going to be dumb if I, if I, if I want to lease me a BMW, I'll lease that. But you know what? I'll pay off my Mercedes. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. drive my Mercedes mm-hmm. that much. When I get ready, I'll trade it. I'll trade up and spend a little bit of money to get another one or whatever, just just to make sense on what you, off what you're doing. So, um, you yeah. know, and I think I think that, you know, you look at these guys that's coming out, you know, like Zion and going to be a big ticket. We, I mean, it, it would be very smart for him to get something in place, kind of like what Shaq did you know, that he's living off his endorsements. You don't really touch your NBA mm-hmm. or whatever because he's, he's – Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. So it just makes sense to me. Just, you know, that's just me thinking out loud. But, so. Sure. No, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think Shaq is an outlier when it comes to that example just because he's he's done it so well and, and he's a character, right? He's He worked on his brand while he played. And right. Shaq probably wasn't the most – you know, the most nice person on the court sometimes, you know, he'll slap, he'll slap a person every once in a while, but, but then he'll go make a Looney Tunes movie and, and be good. Right. And everybody loves him. So right. I, I think, I think he's a master marketer, yeah. master marketer. He knows what he's doing. And then it, it, I think it took Charles a little while, Charles Barkley to understand that. And it took for him to get on TNT to understand that you can't be a jackass right. all the time. Um, all the time. If you want to be, you know, if you want to actually have some, you know, off the court money coming coming back in, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Shaq is Shaq is a, a great example of, you know, like if, if kids are going to the NBA or they have an opportunity to go. I mean, you should listen to this guy's story. He spent a million dollars before he ever touched a, a paycheck, and somebody yeah. to the side, and that was all. That's all he needed. So that's a big yeah. Thing. So, but yeah, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Um, I, pre- I appreciate man. I appreciate the, the, the feedback, man. And like I said, I, I wish you, you and your son, um, you know, a lot of luck going forward. And like I said, I hope that we hope to see his name in light soon. Man, to your, from your mouth to God's ear, I hope so too. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen, man. I know you're tough on it, man. Give him, give him, uh, cut him some slack. All right. Hey, um, always, always. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Hey, so I want to thank our sponsors again, um, BioSound Therapy. Um, you guys can you guys can check them out, look them up. Um, definitely uh, a new technology here. Um, it, it has like a lot of different uh, therapies rolled into one. They they use uh, different sounds, that type of thing. Rita's Ice over there uh, off of Ninety Sixth Street. Uh, Donald Thomas, he came on one of the podcasts. Great guy. Team of Weight. Um, 
uh, Replay Hemp by Harrington Wellness. Um, then also we have our basketball camp, um, which is July 15th through the 19th. Uh, no experiences needed. Um, uh, kids of all ages up until a freshman in high school can come. So registration is still open. You can go to my website, check it out, www.dreamchasersbball.com. You can leave uh, comments, messages on there. Also, uh, we have training packages. We train up in Hancock Wellness uh, in McCordsville, Indiana. Uh, we train on Mondays and Thursdays for our groups, and then we do individual by appointment. Hey, uh, also check out our Facebook page, Dream Chasers Basketball Indy. Uh, you can see a lot of uh, different motivational speeches, um, a lot of different things from coaches and ex-players. Uh, and then you can watch uh, a lot of our uh, trainings on there if you want to see a little bit, uh, a little bit into what we do. But uh, this is Harvey Harrington. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. Um, I'll, I'll speak to you guys soon.